Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is going to be 43% better by 2030. I'm Scott Phillips. He is Andrew Page. G'day, mate. G'day. How are you? I'm very, very well. Are we going to be 43% better or less or something? Well, it's good, it's good to have a target, mate. And it's that's something have, we can a, aim a, for that. It's a floor, not a ceiling. Apparently. Exactly. <laughs> we are, of course, talking about the climate deal. We won't spend too much time on that. We will mention it in passing because it is kind of relevant. But before I do that, he, of course, is Andrew Page. As I said, much more, well, not even more importantly, actually, as importantly, he is the founder and managing director of a, um, uh, what's strawman.com again, Andrew? <laughs> it's, it's an online private investment club, my friend. Never gets old, that joke. Every single person listening is Never like, does. Oh, for the Never. love of God, Phil, move does. on. And yet, here I am, every <laughs> single person flaming week twice a week doing the same jokes mate um thank you for joining me yet again uh for those who don't know you well by now i am scott phillips the chief investment officer of the motley fool here in australia we are motley fool money where we talk business investing finance a bit of macro a bit of kind of you know occasionally stray the occasional tangent can i say the occasional tangent is that is that reasonable <laughs> and, and, and the odd rant the odd, <laughs> and the odd rant well. oh i've got one coming up got one coming oh, up good. stay tuned for that one Mate, um, let's get right into it. Uh, it wouldn't be a week or maybe a month these days without talking about interest rates being up. Can I tell you, I am bigger, busier than a one-armed bricklayer in Beirut, as they used to say, uh, this week, because all of a sudden, after 12 years when no one wants to talk to anyone about finance stuff, I'm getting call, call up from FM breakfast radio shows saying, can you talk to us about interest rates, please? I'm like, <laughs> sure, I'll do that. So I've, I'm feeling loved. I'm feeling popular. Everybody else is absolutely hating it, mate, because rates are up yet again this week. Half a percent. Uh, I don't. I don't know. There's much to say, really. It was as expected. There will be more. The RBA made the usual references to the fact that they are still recovering from emergency levels, which is true. Um, too late and all that kind of stuff. We know that as well. That's also true. Um, that's a whole different conversation. Although the RBA is being reviewed at the moment, which is also interesting. Um, so plenty going on, mate. When it comes to rates, the biggest shock for me this week was that as of recording at quarter past nine on Thursday morning, the fourth of August. Macquarie has put their rates up. None of the other big banks have actually put their heads above the parapet yet. Mm. I want to say this is the longest time, well, it's only been a few months, I suppose, May when the ABA started raising rates again. But even before that, you know, in the old days, we're getting on to, what is it now, sort of, do my maths? What is it, 40, 50 something hours, whatever it is, since, uh, since the decision was made. Um, still nothing from any of the big four Obviously, someone's not got the memo. They normally take it in turns. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not uh, uh, organised that way. There's no. no collusion, but they do tend to take it in turns. Obviously, whoever, whichever one bank's <laughs> turn it is, or all, all the other banks, are like guys, it's your turn. Come on, get on with it. We don't want to go first. We did that last month. Your turn this month. Um, I, again, it'll happen, right? It's not, there's, there's no question it'll happen. Um, I just think it's fascinating the the kind of the, it's not exactly a big story either, but just just the the interesting idea of whose turn is it and who goes first and what happens with rates. Um, they seem stuck at the starting line. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, as you say, it, it, it'll happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, think parts in full. It's going to happen in full too. Go on. I think what, what's really fascinating is, I mean, so interest rates went up. We all knew they were going to go up. Um, yeah. There was a, there was a bit of a chance on the edge there. People expecting three quarters of yeah, a percent, seventy five basis points. I was half yep. expecting that. Yeah. Um, I think it's a bit of an, sorry, sorry to say to to people with with debt, but I yeah. you know I, I feel as though it was probably a not a terrible idea to yeah. do that. No, it's not. Um, but but uh, what's interesting is is that we had all this fear about what central banks were going to do. They're largely yeah. doing it. Yeah. Markets sort of, well, I was going to say plummeted, but then actually the All Odds was down 9% from peak to trough yeah. um, from the well, <laughs> start of the year to, to mid-June. It's, it's, hardly a, it's hardly a plummet. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're on tech stocks, as we've talked about before. Well, di- you're absolutely handed your backside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different story, but but even there, <laughs> and even with the mm-hmm. um, the just the general market, it's up mm-hmm. about nine ten percent since that point. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, interest rates up a, a pretty big move, and mm-hmm. market was actually up by the end of the day. So it, it and the Aussie dollar was down a little bit. <laughs> so it's kind of, and I think what's happened when you yeah, sort of yeah. this, you know. You you hear what the um, experts all say, mm, mm. and it's basically this idea that yes, but they're going they're going to peak earlier than what we initially expected. Yeah. 
So yes, we know that there's going to be some quote unquote normalization of rates, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be as bad as we initially assumed. In other words, it's going to have the desired effect long, long before we get to that point. And I think the market's a little bit relieved by that. <laughs> I actually think that's, I think that's probably true. I, th- I think mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be hard for them to, to get back to, you know, it, we have a, a cash rate of like 3%, just seems, or 4%, yeah. you know, it, it seems like whatever impact you want to do. And what do, what do you want? Let's take a step back. What do you want to do? You want to take some demand out of, of, of the economy to help sort of um, reduce inflation. And uh, I think it's, 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 it's already happening to, to yeah. a large extent. And there's, all, there's so much debt in the system that yeah. you don't need to increase it that much for, for, um, for, for that to have the effect. So I don't know. I'm rambling at this point, but um, well, let me, I think let the me throw an accept right. at you, mate. Let me throw an accept at you because mm-hmm. – I don't. I wonder sometimes, you know, everything that we we experience in life is is is, you know, we we view it through our own lens, the lens of of you know confirmation bias. We talked about that plenty of times before. The challenge of we're already seeing, it, as you say, retail sales continue to be strong. JB Hi-Fi turned a fourth quarter sales growth of eleven point one percent, immediately off a, off a softer number last year. Right. Um, I was speaking with, of all people, Steve Price. I appear on his radio show on, on, a, on a weekday morning who was saying he was at a reasonably expensive restaurant over the weekend. It was absolutely chockers for multiple sittings. Um, I, uh, I was also to a mate, I've mentioned this before, the same mate, but I spoke to him again on the weekend at the kids' soccer game, uh, who was saying they're seeing 20 to 30% price increases coming through from their European-based suppliers. Mm. And... I don't know, mate. I, I, I think the economy is stronger than we like to, than many people like to say or pretend or believe. And maybe that's because we think it's weaker, maybe because we want it to be weaker, maybe because our experience is a, is a subset of the overall economy. I'm certainly not going to expensive restaurants anytime recently. Uh, not my sort of scene. But, um, but you know, they're out there. I, I just, I wonder what... Um, I think the economy is stronger than than perhaps we think. And I guess the flip side of this is that rates are such a blunt tool. We've said this before, but only about a third of Australians have a mortgage. Renters at this stage at least aren't affected. Those who own their homes at this stage aren't affected. Um, maybe their asset price, don't if they own shares or you know whatever, whatever. but um, maybe they may have investment properties. So maybe they're going down a little bit I think too. renters are affected. Well, but not by the not by the not by the interest rate increase. Right, the last four months, rents have, might have gone up by whatever they've gone up by, but not by the the same. You know, what hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month that then that uh, home loan repayments drop by. So, in the sense that there's a, I think the ABC put an article out last week, which I think was a bit OTT, saying you know ten percent of ten percent of Australians are carrying the weight of this because of the for the reasons that I just kind of outlined. I don't know. I I, don't, I, I wonder if we're seeing. We love a two-speed economy, right? The headline writers will love love that. It's a nice way to kind of describe it. But it does feel like that to me. It feels like you know, there's there's plenty of money still out there being spent, but maybe by different people, or maybe I don't know. What what do you think about that? My my long-held opinion has been mm-hmm. is that these. I think we like to think of things in in terms of a normal distribution, the classic bell curve. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like these these economic figures sort of they're an average, they're an aggregation and sort of there's, there's people doing better than that and worse than that and there are exceptions but it all kind of clusters around the middle. I feel as though there's been a bit of a bifurcation. So if you have, if you have got reasonably conservative debt, lots of assets and you've got a pretty reliable job, I mean, things are great, right? Um, a lot of the last losses and the quote-unquote pain that you suffer is, is not really real, it's not tangible. So it's sort of like no one likes to see, you know, the... the, the the person in the eight-bedroom mansion with a $8 million portfolio is sort of seeing their paper wealth sort of impacted, but it doesn't, from a cash flow basis, from a lifestyle basis, like zero impact, right? And then you've got, you know, the teacher in Lismore who's mm, just had their house exactly. wiped out and, yeah, right, exactly. you know, living in... Yep. T- so there's, I, I, I think that's, that yep. is the story that is here. Yep. We've, we know that... Teachers. It's mm. the same in the UK. It's the same in the US. I think this is just a phenomenon that we are that we are seeing, where the the yeah the the, the teachers, the policemen, mm. the the nurses, uh, the, the 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 people at the other end of the spectrum that do have more of a debt burden, who are who are suffering, who are actually going backwards in massively in real terms in 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 terms of what their income is is like. I think I think that's a very different story. So. You're right. I think you're absolutely right to sort of say we all look at it through our own lens. 
And there'll be some people listening to the pod who are like, yeah, actually, it's, I think it's overblown. I personally haven't had much of an impact. And there'll be others going, what the hell are you talking about? This is, I've, I've never had it harder. And both will be right. Yeah, both and that, that's, right kind of what I, that's kind of what I mean, mate. I, I wonder, yeah. and I, I, I think the challenge of rates, right, is that it's a really blunt instrument because yeah. you can't, you know, if, if, frankly, if inflation is coming from the big end of town, it's a horrible, horrible phrase and it's all a bit ridiculous. Um, but, you know, if inflation is coming from people with the money to spend who are spending it and to try and restrain that inflation, we're saying to the nurse and the fiery and the copper and the, you know, factory worker, hey, you're going to pay a hundred bucks a month more on your mortgage now. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's yeah. hard to look around and say, "Hey, what do we do wrong?" You know, we and I'm not talking about those who borrowed too much at all. I'm just just generally those people who are borrowing whatever it took to to buy a house and didn't do anything irresponsible or inappropriate. Just literally bought a house and went, "Hang on, now I've got to find another X dollars a week, X a month, whatever it is." Um, those who can afford more, maybe you know, are out there still spending because it's not impacting them, or they've got enough disposable income or whatever else. And I'm not saying, by the way, it's it's either or. Um, it's just it, it's a tough one, right? And it's uh, it's why rates are so hard because it's, it's one tool, and everyone with debt has this one, you know, impact uh, in terms of the percentage increase. Uh, but the the ability to fund that or afford that is different, but for different people. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to just a lack of understanding of mm. this system that we have. And I, I've, I've, I'll admit that it's sort of taken me decades to get my head around, and I feel as though I still don't really get it. You know, it seems like of all the things that are important to understand in the society that we live in, like how the, the general financial system works is really misunderstood. And then even you hear experts, at, quote unquote, on TV saying stuff, and you go, that's completely wrong. And, and we've, we've sort of, we live this reality TV show kind of drama where it's just like we, ha- we have this soap opera playing out on, on Martin Street with the Reserve Bank and undeniably a very important part of, of the yeah. mix. Yeah. But no one's talking about any of the other stuff that, that, is, that is so critically important. <laughs> exactly. you know, whether it's taxation exactly. policy, whether it's exactly. fiscal policy, whether it's a million other kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, correct, correct, and correct. and we, we jump up and down when there's a quarter or a half percent rate move and the, mm. I mean you could you can script it out, you know, before yeah. yesterday before yeah. when was it? Tuesday when the meeting was on, yeah. you know that the, the media is going to find some poor bugger <laughs> who's got a bunch of debt who's now- Cafe owner, cafe owner. Cafe yep. owner. You know, it just, it's the same every week and it's not mm, like you, mm. you've- we, we, I don't know if it's just human nature or we, we can yeah. identify with these small stories, but we miss, I think, mm, the mm. bigger picture. And, and the bigger picture is mm. far more complicated and we do ourselves a disservice by just narrowly, myopically focusing yeah. on these these small things. Interest rates up, interest rates down, what does that mean? I watched this fascinating thing actually on YouTube, good, great YouTube I mm. really mm. like. He's um, talking about how to become an expert in something, so you right. can, whether it's tennis or chess or things okay. and what it takes. And there's Malcolm yeah. Gladwell, many yeah. of you know, talked about this, popularized, popularized this idea of 10,000 hours. If you put 10,000 hours into mm-hmm. something, it's, it's what it takes to become an expert. And he was saying, actually, the research is, well, definitely that's true, but it's also about the environment, the feedback that you get, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the studies that was quoted in that was from economic prognosticators, market participants, people in our game, right, who have had 10,000 hours but are just terrible at predicting the future. Like it's actually, it's, it's hard to use the term expert. And, mm. and, and the reason is, is that although we've all had a lot of time in this game, the, the history is never the same. And mm. the feedback that we get is really, really, really delayed. Mm. And so even if you've been in this game for decades, especially in Australia, like we've been through one recession yeah. in our working careers. Yeah, totally right. And that was, that was a COVID induced, that was a very special circumstance. Mm-hmm. And yep. then, yeah, we're, we're asked every week, hey, what does this mean? As if, you know, and it's like, even mm. if you go back 100 years, go back to mm. the 1920s, that's it's four generations. It's a blink yeah. of the eye. And the world was an incredibly different place. And my point being is that it <laughs> is is that it's hard to be expert on this kind of um, on this totally. kind of stuff. The world totally. is far more complicated than we, we allow it to be. We focus on these very narrow kind of things that that that, that – we feel very connected to, especially, you know, a lot of people have a home loan. Okay, I get it. Think rates go up, cost me more money each week. It's just, yeah. it's a very, it's a very um, direct kind of line that you can draw. But I, 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 what am I saying? I don't know what I'm saying. I guess I'm just lamenting <laughs> that, that it's bloody hard. It's far more complicated than we give mean to. And I just, I, I yep. guess I crave a more decent 
discussion on all mm. of this stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, and maybe you and I should be playing more of a role in this, but but then, <laughs> you know, it, we do our best. We do our best. We, we do our we do our best. I, I guess I guess I guess I'd urge people not to to um, to think a bit more deeper about some of this stuff, and, and, and that I certainly don't have any easy answers. I don't think anyone really does. So I'm going to come back to this because it has second and third order impacts. But let me let me start with let me, oh, let me let me start with let me let me go away from this and come back to it. In the meantime, as we go away from it, um, geopolitics, mate. Taiwan is back on the on the front page. China sent jets to Taiwan. Taiwan sent jets over China. Blah blah blah, and on it goes. Uh, Nancy Pelosi turns up. Um, I I I gotta say I I don't I don't I I'd, I'd love to know what conversation having behind the scenes for all the American administration formally saying oh she really shouldn't go it's all very terrible I'm absolutely sure if uh, if uh, Uncle Joe said don't go Nancy would be like okay fine so I I I have I have half a suspicion that the uh, the visit was absolutely sanctioned unofficially if not officially uh, but that's just my random speculations and conspiracy theories um, that being said mate uh, it's been on the front page of all of the major newspapers including the business news and so i guess the question comes what does i mean uh, chinese imports have been banned going into taiwan or uh, sorry, from taiwan to china um what how do you how do you read those front pages and then think about the impact of that on investing yeah uh so this is this is a classic example right so um is it important i'm like yeah i mean absolutely mm. important i mean think about the think about the ramifications of russia and ukraine now, mm. U- U- Ukraine's a relatively sort of small player, and frankly, Russia is too, mm. if you want to mm. look at its general sort of GDP in, in the world. Mm. It's very important from um, an <laughs> yeah. energy perspective. But yeah. other than that, they don't do much, you know. And that was huge, and that mm. was huge. And so now you've got China, which is <laughs> about to be deal. the world's largest <laughs> economy, yeah. a superpower, yeah. um, which is not which is far from far, far, far more uh, in, mm. um, important to the global economy because it's the mm. world's factory. I mean, every country is touched by China. It, it, the potential here is, is huge. It's just mm. massive. Mm. Um, so it's, it, it's wrong. it feels wrong to dismiss it as, ah, it's nothing. Yeah. On the other hand, it's kind of like, well, we've, we've heard, we've, it's not our first rodeo. We've, we've heard this song before. <laughs> right. You know, there's always That's sabre right. rattling and this, and at the end of the day, cooler heads probably will win yeah. out and, yeah. and both recognise the import that no one's going to come out of, of this good if, yeah. if things do escalate. Um, so, it's, it, so, in other words, the person, I've, I've long thought this with investing, if you jump at every shadow, all you do is you just, you just not, you never invested. And you miss out on all the benefits. And as you 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 all want to point out for very good reasons, is that mm. when you look at the last 30, 40, 50, whatever period you want to look at, the markets mm. have, have climbed a wall of worry. They've they've gone up, despite yeah. all of the things we had. I mean, think about the significance of of nine eleven and mm. what happened mm. after that. Mm. It's actually turns out if you were investing all your money back then, you, you're looking back now and thinking, <laughs> what a great time. So yeah. so it's it's I guess what I'm saying is again, my my point is is that it that it that it's complicated. Um yep. And, and and the the pragmatic side of me is recognizing is trying to re- reduce the hubris and say, listen, I might have mm. certain mm. opinions on things, but I recognize that I can't really know, um, mm. and I know that generally speaking, I'm just going to keep investing, <laughs> and it's going to sometimes I'm going to oh that sucks I wish I could have would have should have done this. <laughs> That's right. But if you've got if you've got a decent enough time frame, and I'm I'm really sort of talking sort of five ten years plus. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I think it's the just just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and it, think- it, it sounds stupid, and I recognise that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, next next week when when China and US go to war, <laughs> this is going to look really you. dumb. Yeah, but you, yeah. but but I think it's the it's the only it's the look. Mm. You, mm. you can you can go buy a ranch somewhere and mm. and just become a prepper, yeah. or you can just roll with the punches. And, and I think you know, what push comes to shove, I, I go with the, I go with the latter. I think that's right, mate. I think. <sighs> There are, as I say, if you if you jump out of your shadow, you'd never invest. But it's it's really this is where you know I know you say it sounds negligent or whatever would you use. I think the challenge is you go back to nineteen, I'll say eighty because I have a relatively decent working knowledge of most of the time since then. Um, I I want to. So here's the thing: there's been something to worry about the entire time, and as you say, the amount of money being made despite that is enormous. So for every for every potential risk, a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of those 
become reality. And a reasonable fraction of those, but not a majority, I don't think, of those become reality and still don't actually have an impact on the markets. So, you know, uh, increasing interest rates. What if interest rates increase and the market falls by some tiny single-digit percentage? Well, that's, you know, could it happen? Yes. Is it going to happen? Maybe. Did it happen? Yes. What happened? Not not much really, actually, turns out. (laughs) And you kind of go, so, you know, and you multiply that, as you say, by such a long time. The number of things that could happen don't. Of the the small fraction that do, uh, you know, a, a decent fraction actually have impact. And of those, they happen so irregularly unexpectedly uh and sometimes they're big COVID is massive i've i've said before i'm on record of saying i thought COVID was gonna be another sars or mers right at the time hey we had spiritual things before middle east yeah asia whatever look historically probably won't be a big deal turns out kind of a big deal right and so we respond to that and we adjust and we fix and we move on next time it happens the market will lose its collective minds and maybe it'll be another COVID, or maybe even another sars we don't know. China was supposed to have a hard landing since, what, 2013? Remember, remember they were yeah. going to run a foreign currency? Was that 2015 or something? Yep. I can't yep. remember now. There was going to be this crash, hard landing crash in China. There was going to be a foreign currency. There was going to be this and that and the other. Something else was going to happen. And you kind of go, oh, you know, I mean, could that have happened? Yeah. Would they have been a big deal? Yeah. Would they have been long-lasting? Probably not. You know, would we have made money anyway? Yeah, that's kind of the point. And, or even if, you point, are, even if you are right, being too early is the same as being yeah. wrong. You know, if it takes 20 <laughs> years right, to play exactly. out, it's like, oh. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, not to, not to go back to housing, but that was kind of the housing story, right? Yeah. Like, could, could, could Australians have too much debt? We still don't know for sure. Maybe, maybe there's eventually a crash. The amount it would have to crash by now to make some of those people who have been wrong yeah. for 25 years right, yeah. you know, it would... <laughs> The economy would have to implode for those people to go, see, I told you, and now we're living in caves. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, look, it's a a really important one. I think that's... And that's the thing, mate. So, uh, uh, now, that being said, I own Treasury Wine Estates. Of all all the things that China actually (laughs) has done, you know, a a, a ban on wine exports, that kind of hurt my portfolio. Uh, And, you know, did I think it was going to happen? No. Do I think it's going to be out for a long time? No. Am I going to be wrong? I don't know. Maybe. But the rest of my portfolio is fine, and that's the point of being diversified and having a having a broad a broad portfolio. So, I I agree with you about Taiwan, mate. It's just the 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 market grows despite these things, not in the absence of them. I think that's the key one. And this is I say it all the time. Vanguard index chart. I normally talk about the, the graph. This time, go to the Vanguard index chart. Google it. I mean, I should get paid by these people. Um, Google it, and uh, and just look at the top. They actually have kind of world events. Just little dots. Iraq War, second Iraq War, 9-11 attacks, Bali bombing, uh, GFC, uh, Asian financial crisis, whatever, whatever. They happen and the market continues to do well. That's that's the power of that, that historical perspective, I think. Yeah, I, I like to go back to first principles as well. Like things get very complicated very quickly. So if you're mm. the kind of person who's into your credit default swaps and your uh, <laughs> inverted yeah. derivative yeah. blah yeah. blahs, you know, it's all just, mm. they're all just made up kind of things that just mm. basically big big trust contracts between mm. various counterparties but so i like to own real things and i think I, I think actually history is always always really illustrative so you know i i think it's hard for our us to collectively imagine something worse than the than the 1930s you know the, the great depression and, and what That's happened and how true. bad that was a lot of comparisons right now being made between now and the 70s from an inflation context, and that was really bad. Um, but a lot of fortunes were made during that time. So so pulling your head in like a tortoise is, is not the approach to take. Um, the, the approach to take is to just to Warren Buffett this thing, which is always a good approach. He's like, well, what do I own here? Totally. And now- this is one of my bugbears has always been people say with shares, oh, they're not real. You know, that's what property yeah, yeah. is so good because property is real. <laughs> you can touch that. it. Actually, I actually think property is a great example of what I'm talking about yeah, here because if yeah. things really go to, yeah. to poo, um, market, yes. you know, you, you, are, you, are, you have still got something that you own that you yes. can live in that has yeah. very, very real utility for you. And so yeah. property is great. So it's, it's actually a wonderful long-term inflation hedge. It's a, it's a really mm-hmm. strong, what they call a hard asset. It's great. Mm. Now, the prices around that as well as there always are, but but <laughs> as a general concept, it's great. But yeah. I would actually argue that the same is equally true of shares because yeah. these are real oh, world. Of course it is. These are Absolutely. real world things. I know yes. that we just yeah. see this ticker and we see this price chart on our apps yeah. and we buy and sell. And at the end of the day, now there, there's 2,300 odd companies on the ASX. Mm-hmm. A lot of them mm-hmm. are a little more than, than just that because when you actually look at the balance sheet of these things, they don't actually own much. And, they, and the things that they own aren't generating much cash flow. 
at the same time, there are other things out there that actually, even if things go really badly, they will still, these entities are real. They own real hard assets. Um, they generate real cash flows. They'll probably take a yeah. knock as, as yeah. property would too in any dire correct, economic correct. situation. Yep. Yep. But they're very real. And, and this, is, this is sort of Buffett's insight, I think, and Benjamin Graham's mm-hmm. before him, is, is that these are what you want to look at what you're actually mm-hmm. buying here. You're buying one millionth of, of this thing, but you're still buying it. You need to think of it in that same kind of context. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, I'm, I've, I've always approached this because it's, it's very easy to be bearish at all points in time because mm-hmm. there's just always a lot of scary, uncertain things happening in the world. But I try to always ask myself a question of things really do go bad. What's this thing that I am? How is it? Is it like the first question is always, will it survive? Because yeah. if it doesn't pass that test, Correct. all which, bets are off. Which, which is also why some of the, just quickly, why some of the tech stuff has actually taken a bit of a cratering because yeah. if you run out of cash and can't get more, you literally could go to zero in some circumstances, which is why the share price falls have been not yep. unreasonable at some points. But keep going, mate. Oh, no, absolutely right. I mean, again, it's the, the, the frustration always comes in the generalisation. Oh, tech mm. stocks are rubbish. Like, well, mm. Yeah, and you, you are 90% correct. Mm. But there's a massive mm. exception within some of that 10%. So, and and therein, <laughs> therein lies the advantage, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, will it will it survive? Yeah, will it be? I always ask the next question is: Well, if it's around in ten years, is it likely yep. to be earning more then than it is now? Is it a yep. more profitable business at that point in time? And if the answer is yes, mm-hmm. and then it's just a question of trying to work out: Well, reasonably, well, I get this is complete thumb sucks kind of stuff. I'd love to use the word forecast and all the rest of it, but you've <laughs> got to you've got to have some kind of intelligent guess as best you can. And then yeah. work out value on that. that. That's a it's a very straightforward process. Mm. But I can I I'm trying to think of an example here without getting myself in, in too mm. much trouble because mm. specifics mm. are always gonna, gonna gonna do you um, no great justice. But a classic example here will be Woolworths. I dare mm. say, mm. no matter how technology sort of changes, no matter what world events sort of unfold, I'd probably think that it passes those tests. It's got a strong yeah. enough balance yeah. sheet, lots of assets, lots of cash very reliable cash flows. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel as though it'll be around in 10 years' time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that first test, I think it'll probably be earning more in 10 years' time than it will today. It's actually a pretty decent inflation hedge because they can pass things on very directly. Mm. Um, so I, I think I think that 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 test is passed. Mm. The only I don't own shares in Woolworths, so I'm not pumping anything here. Or, or put, <laughs> but it, it fails on that last one. So I don't, I don't, yeah. I, for, for me personally, it doesn't sort of have the value because it's those, those two factors are so widely recognised. It's been bid up for all of that safety, but in the process of being bid up, it's sort of the value proposition's pretty ordinary. But if my goal was I just want to protect my wealth, it's probably an incredible investment. So if I, if I look back in the year 2032 and go, oh God, it turns out with dividends, everything, I averaged 3% a year. Mm-hmm. If that was your goal, it's probably great. My goal is to earn more than that, <laughs> which is why I'm which is why I'm not. Yeah, it makes sense. But but do you see that the thought process is is mm. there? Now, now contrast that with a I don't know biomedical research company that's bleeding through three million dollars a year has twelve million. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, yeah, three million dollars a quarter has twelve twelve million mm-hmm. of cash on the balance sheet. Has a highly uncertain, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, outcome no to, or, yeah, that's yeah. Right, maybe right. you've yeah. passed a few clinical trials. That's yeah. great. Maybe yeah. you will. Maybe yeah. you won't. Then you've got to commercialize. It's just a very, it's a totally different thing. So you could again, just I'm again, I'm, I'm crapping on too much here. But what what am I actually owning? It's uh, my point is these things are often very very real, as real as any property, as real as anything can be real in our human world. And and if you understand what you own and why you own it, you're likely to do well in spite of these things. And this is the way I'm trying to look at these mm-hmm. very scary things. Even if they do unfold, it is mm-hmm. still nevertheless an opportunity if you if you if you uh, are smart about it and you've got you've got the the tolerance to sort of ride through it. Mate, I reckon you make a very very good point. I uh, the disservice that we as a as as industry, I, I really you know, have a love hate relationship with our industry. The disservice we've done to allow, encourage, create whatever it is to get people to think about these things as bits of paper rather than real companies, real assets is. I mean, it's on us, right? It's absolutely on us. There is there is no other. The, the fact that the public mind is the casino of the ASX, these prices go up and down the charts and the tickers and the whatever else is every day and the. Or whatever, uh, I, I, I mean, you know, may, maybe the media has a role, maybe individuals have a role, but I dare say, if if people in our industry were a little more careful, cautious, thoughtful in the way we describe what we do, uh, it'd make it'd make a make things a whole lot different. 
I hate the idea of people trading fractional houses, that kind of BrickX type stuff. Um, BrickX is fine, by the way. I don't, don't just like them as a business, nothing immoral or an ethical matter. I just think the whole idea of turning property into something more shares like is a terrible idea, but there might be one- Financializing positive. it. Well, there might be yeah. one positive, which actually might be that they people start to actually then do the reverse, which is recognize that, hey, if-, if property is this and this kind of fractional trading is a thing then maybe shares actually is a real thing maybe maybe it goes the other way or maybe i'm just hoping beyond hope i'm not sure um but yeah mate, i, I completely agree and i think that's that's the bottom line is what what does it do you know what what does this business do uh is it a real thing does it have longevity tell me about just quickly mate before we move on talk to me about for all of that i agree with you almost 100 percent the gap I have is whether or not you need absolute certainty that nothing can go wrong. Because you're right to say, if everything went to custard, do I have something here? And that's absolutely true. I wonder though, in a portfolio context, uh, would every company you own or every company I own pass that test with flying colors? Or is there a role for the risk and reward trade-off, right? Of, yeah. You know, I mean, no, no one wants everything, somebody to go to zero, but equally, I don't know, Amazon could have gone to zero for me. It's done really well instead. Um, it didn't have, you know, at some point it was making losses, like loss after loss after loss after loss. Tesla, I've said before, Musk himself said, if they'd had a recession earlier in Tesla's career or Tesla's life, the business may literally have gone broke, A, because they couldn't sell cars and B, because they couldn't raise money. Imagine Tesla trying to raise money right now. Mm. Like talk about dumb luck, right? Um, and it's not taking anything away from what Tesla's done, but in different economic circumstances, without you know, Tesla doing anything wrong, but they may literally have not not survived, not through anything yeah. they'd done necessarily wrong, although you can argue they were taking too many risks if they do jeopardise themselves. So how, how does that play out individually as a company level, but more importantly from a portfolio level for you? Oh, it's such a great question. And, and this, is, this is the great trade-off that we all have to be really, really aware of as mm-hmm. investors. Mm-hmm is that risk reward trade-off. So I, I can take very, very low risk as an investor. Mm. And a lot of people that will appeal to them. But but there's no free lunch. There's a compromise <laughs> yeah, that's there. Right. The it's compromise cash, right? you Yeah. Yeah. It's good cash. Mm, you guarantee mm, mm. to have whatever cash. I mean, of course, the value of that cash, yeah. and cash has value, will be eroded every year when inflation in some years. True, yeah, yeah. Like this year, more than others, we'll, we'll, mm. we'll actually see mm. a very negative uh, sort of return there. But yeah. it's, a, you know, term deposit, something like that, pretty safe investment. Yep. Um, you're just not going to get a great return on it. Mm. Um, if you want the the Amazons of this world mm. and you want the 1,000x return, you just, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You mm. have to take risk. So it's an excellent point. I mean, that's why I think you've, you've got to think at the portfolio level. And if you look at my portfolio and, mm. you know, it's all on strawman.com, yeah. um, you, you'll see some really early stage pre-profit companies mm. in there. And it just like, it, 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 there seems like a bit of a disconnect with what I've just been saying. It's like, well, hang on, Andrew, these companies <laughs> have like negative free yeah. cash flow, yeah. you know, and here you are saying, you know, make sure the company's going to mm. survive. And well, I'd actually, I still turn around and go, yeah, I think, I think they will. I think you're on a very strong trajectory. I think you've got a very strong balance sheet. Mm. I think the clients that they do have will continue to stay around. I know, mm. in fact, I know mm. the retention mm. rates are above 90%. Yeah. In fact, I know that those customers, I know, I feel as though those customers <laughs> will continue to spend more. Right, right, and, right. and so it all comes into the calculus. But yeah, it's a far less certain bet than Woolies. Mm. But at the same time, if I get Woolies right, maybe I'll get a 6 7% annual return over the next 10 years. I get these ones right, I could get a 20 30% return. Mm. And, and the downside is if I, if I don't get it right, if I don't get Woolies right, well, maybe I'm getting a, a 2% return instead mm. of mm. what I was mm. hoping for. If I don't get these ones right, I could get a minus 50% return. So there's <laughs> exactly. there's there's the yeah, trade-off, yeah, yeah. which I'm overtly aware of. Uh-huh. But to your second part of your question, which is that's why you've got to think about it from a portfolio level. Yeah. And you've really got to think c- carefully about what am I trying to do here? Yep, yep. And I would argue that with the kinds of approaches that, that I'm personally taking is that I fully expect probably five, maybe even six out of 10 to not do well. Yeah, right. Um, but be- because the upside is so significant for the ones that do do well it should more more than compensate so there'll be a point hopefully when we're talking in 10 years time mm-hmm. um where i'll be able to say hey scott what about x y and z you know it's up you know 200x yeah, uh-huh, yeah, no, genius yeah, yeah well before you before you make that massive mistake of, of, of using <laughs> that word and me in the same sentence know that know that that gain is spectacular though hopefully yeah. it will be yeah. will be required just to offset some of the very significant losses elsewhere 
And mm. this is this is what it frustrates you uh, as a as an investor whenever you're talking about things is people latch onto specifics. Yeah. You know, Scott, you said that. Yeah, that's right. This was a great investment. <laughs> no, it's down fifty percent. Right. You're an idiot. That's it's right. like, yeah, but this one over here, and it's not about cherry picking because you you'd be equally wrong to say, look, I, look how much of a genius I am. I bought X Y Z at this. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. What matters is what your portfolio has done. Mm. You've got X amount of cash. You've done stuff with that cash, and what's it left at the end? Doesn't really kind of. Doesn't really matter how mm-hmm. you've gone about it to some yep. extent. What, yep. it's, it's the destination, not the journey. And yeah, exactly. um, anyway, they're, they're very much worth keeping in mind. Just, just, just know, just know the approach that you're going to take. If you're going, if you're going to take a, a different approach, I'm only going ultra, ultra low risk kind of businesses. Mm. Absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Yeah. At the same time, don't be disappointed if at the end of the day you've got an, a, a, a not a terrible return, but a rather lackluster one. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no free lunches. There's not, there's not. And I think that's, you know, your six out of 10, that's a feature, not a bug, right? Because as you say, mm. the upside is worth it. And I think I've said regularly, I've probably said regularly on this podcast, don't learn the wrong lessons as an investor. There are so many people so desperate to avoid making a single mistake that they will miss the opportunity to make a lot of money. Because if you're trying to avoid the one loss, you miss the opportunity to make one, two, three, four, five you know, gains. Um, because the thing that can, you know, I, I've said before at Share of Us, we had some really big losses and we've had some really big wins. And had I been less, uh, I, not, I'm not aggressive, I'm not aggressive at all, but had, had I tried to pull my horns in even further and say, well, I won't do anything that has these characteristics because that one lost money, I would have missed out on some of the winners as well. And, and it's yeah. really important that you take, not only you take a, it's easy to say take a portfolio approach. I guess my point here is, everyone says, oh yeah, of course I will, of course I will. But then when one, two or three of them lose money, and I've got to say, you might know this, mate, from, from our past working together, when members have one or two losses from our recommendations, oh, you idiot, you lost me money, see, you lost me. And it's like, well, firstly, we told you that that might happen. Secondly, and it's not to so, so, by the way, so we're not responsible for our mistakes. We absolutely are responsible for our mistakes. But the idea is like, have a portfolio. This is a portfolio approach with a portfolio result. You know, we're not yeah. saying one, two or three stocks will do well. I had someone say to me, well, you should be recommending that stock if it's risky because people might lose money on it. So, no, 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 it's exactly the opposite, you know? Well, otherwise, otherwise, what you would be doing, it'd be, hey, come join our service. Here's the one stock you should buy. <laughs> and by the buy way, we still one. might be wrong this about that be, one because there's no this guarantees. Is gonna be the, but, the, but if, you, if, you, if you knew, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I, I, I would just put all my money into the best performing yeah, stock. If I go back correct. in time, I would sell everything from 10 years ago and just keep all my money in ProMedicus. Yeah. And I would, I would be, I would be here making Warren Buffett look like an idiot. <laughs> that's right. You know, but I didn't know. That's right. Obviously, that's right. I didn't know at exactly. the time. Exactly. You can't. You can't. It's it's bizarre. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. I want to come back to retail. I want to come back to retail because I wanted to talk to you about the second and third order impacts. Um, we talked about interest rates and that's important for those people with mortgages or with business loans by the way and you know we talk about second and third impacts the media says homeowner 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 fair enough Uh, but if you are a small business owner you probably have your home mortgaged if you are a big business or medium-sized business with it with debt you're probably paying the official cash rate plus some margin and maybe that's fixed, maybe it's not, but that's going to go up over time. You've then got people who have who are paying those mortgages who have less money available to go and spend money in your business or someone else's business. The shareholders of those businesses are probably sitting on things that are worth less. So the wealth effect, to the extent that's real, um, will impact on people's willingness to spend. So while there's, a, while there's a very, 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 very pointy end, which is the low income earner trying to desperately pay off a mortgage, the concentric circles, the ripples out from that point are still worth thinking about the second or third order impacts of, you've said many times, someone spending someone else's income. Um, there is an economic impact here. And I guess I'm wondering how you think about purchases, investing, valuations in an environment where we're sitting here in early August, wondering whether there's a recession in the Australian economy at some point in the next six or 12 months. Wondering what a retail slowdown might do. Wondering what higher rates might do. Wondering what might happen to asset prices. Um, it's it's not a it's not you know you you rent um, so you don't have a direct mortgage. But even even without that, there are second, third, fourth order impacts on you and your life and your investments and all that sort of stuff. How, how do you factor that in? 
I try to take a through what they call a through the cycle look. Mm. So you can you can play it two ways to my mind. You can try and guess when the next recession is going to hit <laughs> yeah. and what the color and shape of that recession yeah, is going to be. Yeah. Easy, right? That's <laughs> you know, there's that. Yeah. Mm. Um, or you can just say <laughs> there will be a recession at some point, but mm. there will also be a boom at some point and mm. typically the economy, markets, they move through these cycles. Cycles is a, is a dangerous word because it, it, <laughs> it, it implies some periodicity. Is that a word? Some periodic yes, sort of nature. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. a sine curve. It's yes, like, yes. it's not. It's not even. Um, but I, I guarantee you, when we look out over the next 10 years, mm. we'll probably have a recession. My guess is it'll be probably at the closer end mm-hmm. of that 10-year period. I two then, in 10 years, mate. Yeah. The, yeah, the average really, economic actually, cycle is only seven years long, so- and, and, and if we're about to go into yeah. one now, so there's yeah. one now, we'll have a good period and then we'll have another bad. And that's just averages. So, mm-hmm. but when I take, when I, retailers are a great case in point. Mm. So I generally don't have any retailers. I do have actually one at the moment, uh, Adairs, mm. um, which I'm down on quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I own them too for the but but, but the view the view there was actually it's a really decent little business. Mm. It's very cyclical. Mm. Um, so if we do have a recession, people are going to spend a lot less on on cushion covers and that kind of stuff. <laughs> mm. um, but when times are good, they'll 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 do extremely well. And on average, what is that? What does that kind of look mm. like? Mm. So I'm not. I'm I'm basically looking at it was actually September 2021. I think when I took some, and I basically said, what does the next ten years look like? Yeah. Uh, you know, growth up to that point had just been stratospheric. It'd been mm-hmm. great, but I mean, it wasn't silly enough to just extrapolate <laughs> that. It's obviously yeah. not going to. You know, no, not because I knew what was going to happen, just because it's a retailer and it's a cyclical. It, it operates in a cyclical environment. It will not always be like that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when it does go bad, it'll probably go really bad, quote unquote <laughs> bad, in the sense that earnings will fall and the market will throw the toys out of the cot and the PE multiples will compress and there'll be a big right. share price fall. Right. But as long as, as I say, is, do, will it survive? I think so. Mm. Um, will it be earning more in 10 years? That Yes. And is the price that I was paying at the time adequately reflect that? I probably still think yes. Mm. Um, then I'm okay. And, and so it, it sucks to sort of be down in the interim. <laughs> but I think actually almost, I would say, well, I'd have to look at this closely, but almost without exception, even when I look at the very, very best investment returns I've ever made, yeah. That was always the case. I bought, they went down. <laughs> they stayed down <laughs> yeah. for ages. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you look exactly. like a genius in the end. Like, oh, wow, that was, look how, like, well, if I was really smart, yeah, I would have yeah. waited six months and then bought, you know. So but, let me ask but, you that question. That, let me ask you that uh-huh. question. If there's a recession coming, if it's sooner rather than later, are we mugs for buying a dares? I own a dares now, as I said. Are we mugs for buying a dares now? Should we have said, you know what, I'll keep that cash. I'll find something better. Uh, that's that's not going to have the same issues as it is. Or I'm going to wait for the recession and I'm going to load up like buggery. Why would we have bought shares? I don't know what mine was, but not miles away from when you bought yours, I don't suppose, 12 or so months ago. Um, yeah. Was that was that not a bit of kind of, you know, <laughs> could, could we have been a bit cleverer about that, do you reckon? We could have looked a lot cleverer. <laughs> that's, I, that's easy for you and I, mate, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> Permanent state of being. Well, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, n- now it seems silly to say it, but yeah. cast your mind back a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were storm clouds on the horizon, mm-hmm. but as we've sort of said repeatedly, there always are. Yeah. And so I, I just, I didn't, I didn't, didn't know that there was going to be all everything that is, that has happened. We certainly since weren't then looking at inflation back then, were we? That's, I mean, it's, it's so we've taken it for granted. You know, over the past few months, it's hard to think back twelve months and go, who was talking about six percent inflation twelve months ago? Almost no, nobody, right? Look, I, I don't want to. Uh, it sounds it sounds a, uh, a bit like an excuse. Maybe it is, but it's just like I'd also say. Well, no one did. Yeah. When I say correct, no, obviously correct. some people did. Yeah, yeah. There are per- there, the broken clock is is right twice a day, right? <laughs> so you always have these perma bears yeah, out there correct. going, you know, chicken little. The sky's going to yeah. fall. The sky's yeah. going to fall, and then the sky falls at one point. And go ha, ah, and mm. then you know they're they're on the lunch circuit mm. for the next ten years about the, the person <laughs> yeah. predicting. Look what I got right exactly. Yeah. Look at yeah. X, Y, yeah. and Z. Yeah. But when I say no one predicted, I mean the mm. markets by definition didn't predict it. If they if they if the market had known what was going to happen, everyone would have sold in advance of that. So it's <laughs> yeah. kind of, yeah. So I, I don't lose too much sleep. Where I where where I admit defeat and where I admit a mistake. Let's fast forward and let's say that actually we haven't had their their results, <laughs> their full year results yet, but we had their mm. first half results in February, and actually the business seems pretty decent shape. They made a few acquisitions, and I mean, I'm not pitching for this in any way, shape, or form, but mm-hmm. but the the, the 
if if the fundamentals had massively deteriorated, mm. then it's like okay, I made a mistake. Even if the share price had happened to be an up, that that is when I say say, yep, this was this was poorly yeah. poorly conceived and executed. Yeah. Um, if the fundamentals are more or less in line with the broad expectations, mm. then I consider myself right. <laughs> Maybe I'm just trying to protect my ego. There, <laughs> we'll, we'll, find, we'll find out in a couple of weeks when, when yeah. they report. I think it's probably going to be. I think it's going to be probably yeah. pretty ordinary because we know what the environment's been like. But it's 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 what you want to what you want to ask yourself is it yeah. ordinary yeah. in context yeah. or is it ordinary in absolute terms if if it's if it's sort of like a bit ordinary but well what else do you expect for a retailer in these kinds of yeah. conditions um, yeah I don't know there's there's always there's always nuance here there will come a point when we get through all of this and we all start feeling a bit richer again <laughs> and everyone starts doing up their lounge rooms and like, you know yeah, it's just, that's right. You know, and they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll, exactly. You, exactly. The, these are the stocks that do really, really well out the other mm. side. And again, mm. I'm not trying to say that maybe you know could be another, could things get a lot worse before they get better. Yeah. But these are the ones to buy because, as I say, the earnings are coming off a far lower base, um, mm. and you get a multi. You get the P, market saying, "I'm only going to pay a P of eight for this," and going, "Oh, actually, now I'll pay a P of 16. So a higher multiple on higher earnings. I mean, it's it, it tends tends to be pretty attractive. Mm. I, I think that's for me, Matt. So I, I, I will – I've given up trying to guess where the market's going to go in the short term, right? And so there's a very, 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 very big difference between saying, you know, are there tougher times for the business ahead at some point? Possibly, probably, maybe, who knows? And what's the price going to do between now and then? Because – if you look at so I, we we I own Harvey Norman shares as well. I'll talk about that one because we recommended it as a best buy now. One of our recommendations at Share Advisor, it's not our most recent recommendation, it was one of our best buys now. Happy to give that away. Um, and the PE is like six and a half. Now, is uh, is Harvey Norman for some tougher times financially? Possibly, yeah. I mean, if if you know if people start buying all the stuff you just talked about, yeah, absolutely. But the price is already <laughs> the price is already really really low. Doesn't mean it can't go lower. By the way, as you said, like no one knows that they don't ring a bell at the bottom. It's just uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say outright, it's stupidity to believe you can try and pick the price, the timing, right? I, I honestly think if you're trying, if you're still trying to do it despite our regular, if you're still trying to do it despite our regular comments, stop listening, please. Do yourself a favor, go into something else with your hour, because honestly, um, we're not gonna we're not gonna. Um, we're not going to change how we talk about this stuff. Uh, Andrew might be more polite than me. I'm not sure, but it is stupidity <laughs> trying to pick the bottom of these things. What what so what gets me is the price. And here's the other thing: I, the economy and the market are not the same thing. The economy, the market sucks at a lot of things a lot of the time, but it's pretty good at looking forwards, right? I think I've just said this last week. Corporate travel management shares. I own shares in that business too. Shares went to five dollars in the depths of the COVID recession. They were back to eighteen bucks within I don't know a few months, right? There were planes. The porters were still closed. Planes were on the ground. And the shares went back up most of the way to 18 bucks. Why? Because the market looked forward and said, when the skies reopen, this business will have customers. It's not any debt risk. Um, it will be fine. When business gets back to normal, it will be worth something like this sort of price. So we're mad to, to pretend it's worth less than that. When you look at the Harvey Normans and Adairs of the world, again, I don't know the Adairs PE, mate, but feel free to drop it in. Harvey Norman PE is 6.5 or something. What's some stupid number? Let's mm. say let's mm. say that's fifty percent too cheap because profits too high. All right, so it's nine. <laughs> you know, let's let's say let's say it's going to make half the profit forever. I call the P is thirteen. Uh, and and so my point is that I don't know whether it goes lower from here or not. It probably does if investors get freaked out and carried on. Who, who knows, right? Who knows? But maybe it doesn't. And the chance that the, the opportunity to buy Harvey Norman today's price for me, even if there's a really tough year or year and a half to come, is just crazy cheap. If the earnings go back to some sort of level like they were in the past, well, not even that. You know, they can go back to a level that's eighty percent of what they were last year, and it'd still be stupidly cheap. Uh, yeah. And I think that's where you've got to be careful because the market's already priced in effective kind of quasi annihilation. And by the way, by the time the market realizes that Harvey Norman's future is going to be okay, the price will be up probably before earnings recover. And yeah. so, waiting for the news—we talked about this with COVID—waiting for COVID to be over was a, was a crazy mistake. Waiting for the recession to be over before you buy shares in a retailer, also equally crazy. And to your point about earnings power, I do exactly the same thing. I, I use the, the phrase underlying earnings power because it cuts out kind of some of the, the, the ups and downs. Yeah. Now, I, w one thing I want to make, you've made the point well, so I'm not going to cover it. What I, One thing I will say quickly is you need to do that during the good times too. And this is a mistake some people do make, right? And I, would, uh, I will argue that a lot of the tech go-go prices of the past 18 months were people saying, this is going to be great forever, and when it is, this will be this will this share price will look good. 
Yeah. They weren't looking at underlying earnings power. They were looking at the continuation of spectacularly good times. Yeah. And you, that, that, that is as bad a mistake, probably a worse mistake, than not buying now because the, the immediate future might be tough. Because if you're assuming the future is the future is the future and it's an extension of now, in a business that has cyclical elements, even just because it's economically exposed, um, that is going to bring you undone really quick. You're going to overpay massively. And I, I will say in the fullness of time, we'll look back at 2021's tech prices and go, those few businesses were pretty cheap or reasonably priced. Gee, that trash was you know overpriced because the market assumed a whole lot of stuff in the go-go years and money was cheap and all those yeah, things. Look at, look at Zip. Zip is a classic example of that, <sighs> yeah, right? That's at what I was peak. thinking of, actually. $14 yeah. to $0.40. Cents. It sounds back to $1.40, so take your pick. There's some people who made a lot of money on Zip in the past couple of weeks, but um, yeah, lost 90% of its value because people assumed it would be fine. And, well, and it's I a very, it's a very different investment proposition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even, if you, even if you assume the company really is. is the same, yeah. Correct, Fourteen dollars. It's got to do a lot of. I mean, that company's yep. really got to shoot the lights out in terms of its future cash flows, which it may have done, and that's what people were betting on. Yep. But but this is this is the trouble with what they call price for perfection. <laughs> yeah. Is that even if you achieve perfection, you're going to get a average return. Hmm. Like that 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 was always my argument against it. People go, yeah, but 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 but. And go, okay, yeah. great. It does yeah. everything you say, and the market <laughs> still gives it a, a, a really <laughs> rosy right. multiple. Yeah, yeah. I might get ten percent a year. Yeah. If it doesn't, Maybe, if it hits right. the slightest right. speed bump, yep. I, I always talk about asymmetry. And so here's, here's negative yeah. asymmetry in the sense that uh, best case scenario, 10% per annum, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, yeah, exactly. minus 80% per annum. Yep. Like, yep. Well, yep. Yep. what am I going to take there? You know, uh, give, me, give me, flip it around. I want, I want the things where if I'm wrong, okay, I lose 50%. Mm-hmm. If I'm right, I 20 exit. That's, that's far more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mate, um, let's. Uh, uh, well, we'll move on. One quick point, which is that up until the end of last week, so this is now a week ago, but the market was up five percent in the previous ten trading days. So last week and the week before, the ASX gained five percent in ten days. That's half of a year's gain in two trading weeks, and nobody rang a bell on Monday morning, whatever that date was, sometime in mid July, and said or late July, and said, "Hey, buy now, buy now, because the market's about to go up five percent." If you were waiting for something, you missed that gain. Now, we don't always invest in the market. I wouldn't suggest you try and time your purchases in ETFs either. My point is just that that is is a prime example of, and it might fall again, by the way. Who, who knows, right? Oh, yeah, easily. But the yeah, the yeah, point easily. is just that unless you unless you knew that was going to happen and held off your purchases and bought on Monday morning and sold on Friday two weeks later and banked your 5% and think you're a genius, then good luck to you. For the rest of us, you can't know when that's going to change. And by the way, that was while the Fed put up rates by three quarters of a percent. That was while inflation was rising around the world. That was when the European Central Bank made interest rates positive for the first time in years. Um, these weren't these weren't the arrival of spectacularly great economic times that somehow heralded share price gains that we could have foreseen. This was despite the continuation of bad news, maybe even the worsening of some of that news. And yet the market got half a year's gain in two trading weeks without any advanced warning. It's just the folly of market timing, mate. I, again, I will call it stupidity. Um, uh, maybe well-meaning stupidity. Maybe people just don't know better. Ignorance is bliss. And I'm not going to bag individuals for doing it. Uh, I understand the temptation to do it. It seems like if something if you could master, you could make a fortune. I get the attraction of it as an idea. I just hope that by the time our listeners get to that point, they're like, yeah, I've heard Andrew has got a few times. I'm, I'm going I'm to say, I wish it was possible and then leave it behind and get on with it. Because as I said, unless you, unless you knew that 5% was coming, you have told me and told Andrew and told yourself you can't time the market and that's fine. So just stop doing it. There are better ways of making money. Even if you did do it, any you bought, you know, I, I, if you're out there doing victory laps right now, I, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would say pride cometh before the fall. Correct, right? correct. Like, this will be the first and last know, time. Yeah, yeah. A, 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 you didn't know it was going <laughs> to. Let's be honest. And B, it could reverse tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. You know, and C, unless yep, you've actually yep. sold, you've made nothing. Yeah. And you, you can't be the kind of person who says, "Oh, the market's down five percent, but it doesn't matter." I'm all. Everyone's a long-term <laughs> investor right. when the market falls, <laughs> right? That's right. <laughs> like, That's right. He's like, "Oh, does, oh you, we rationalize? That's oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. long term. It's yeah. going to be." Well, yep. I do it all the time, mm-hmm. right? but 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 if that is your stance, you can't then turn around and go, oh, look how clever I've been over the last little while. Mm-hmm. I, I really pay attention to fund managers, and there's not many that do this, mm-hmm. but then they, they post a couple of years of incredible returns mm-hmm. and you read their, their letters to investors and the letters are saying, 
okay, this is what we did, but can I just emphasize that this is not normal? Mm-hmm. We didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> this, you know, as sure yeah, as night yeah. follows day, we're going to have yep. a few bad years. Yep. I, again, there's not many that do it, but there are some. And and I just, I think that's the message. If ever I was running a fund, that's mm-hmm. what I would be doing. When times are good, I would be saying, well, we're happy with it. We hope you're happy too, but just, but, but remember, yep, yep, remember. Yep. Yeah. Remember this and it's going to be bad. And when yeah. it's bad, we'll be reminding you of, of, of when it will be good. And when it's good, we'll be reminding you of when it's bad because it's you've got to look through all of that that kind of stuff. Mate, uh, my ancient history is terrible. And I think I've used this example before. I'm pretty sure you corrected me and gave me the detail. But it's a, it's like the, the uh, probably it was a slave back in the day who would go behind the conquering general and just keep saying, remember, you're mortal. You're mortal. This will pass. You know, that, that idea yes, of, you yes. know, don't get too excited. Don't get too carried away here because you're still mortal and this is, you know, uh, this is not permanent. This is not forever. Enjoy the victory, but don't forget, you know, this will, this, this is not, this is not a permanent state of affairs. And it's a very, very good piece of advice. Actually, that, that's my theory on why you see personalities um, like Bezos and Musk and uh, Branson and mm-hmm. that. I think the trouble with, with a lot of success is that you, you find your, your, your inner court is surrounded by sycophants <laughs> yeah, and yes men. Exactly. Totally and so true. you kind of so you true. catch them doing you catch them doing all these mm-hmm. weird stuff. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? It's because there's no yep. one there going, yep. Elon, <laughs> dude. What are you yep. thinking? Yeah. No, yeah. they're all going. Oh, you're a genius. You're yeah. a. Ge- I mean, I, I don't. I I challenge anyone mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to remain grounded yep. in that kind of environment. Yep. I mean, if if you have five, maybe you resist it for a while. But yeah. I, you know, ten years, Scott, of everyone calling you the greatest entrepreneur on the planet yeah it's been hard you know? to be the last 10 years but you're right i i, I, try, I try to remain granted where i can yeah yeah you, you're gonna you're gonna start to buy into it right so oh. it's it's good so, so it's, how, how many years have you got less of straw man how, how old straw man now three years old how many, how many more years till you you're uh, insufferable uh, i don't I, I'm, I'm well aware that, that things can turn on a dime particularly in this game so yeah uh, I, um, yeah. I, I, as you're talking about that, mate, it occurs to me that maybe one of Warren Buffett's greatest assets is Charlie Munger. Not only because he's yeah. really smart, but Munger is an acerbic son of a gun. And just, just <laughs> quietly, if anyone's going to bring you back to earth, I reckon Warren, any, anytime he felt like getting carried away, he's like, I've got to talk to Charlie later. Because <laughs> yeah. Charlie does not take prisoners. I reckon even, even just knowing you've got Charlie on the other end of the phone, that's going to yep. keep you pretty realistic, pretty grounded, even even despite both both men's success. So they're um, they're not a, not a duo who are who are necessarily particularly susceptible to hubris. We all are, but uh, Charlie is is remarkably uh, cutting if he wants to be. I, I can only imagine that uh, at least that's in the back of Warren's mind, even if not even if not consciously anymore. I imagine when you've got to explain something to Charlie, you probably you probably think twice before uh, making a mistake, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely, and you, you, the, the the reverse is probably true as well. Mm. Like when when you're in a funk, if you're looking at your portfolio, true, and it's yeah. just been a bad yeah, yeah. run. You really yeah. need someone there to sort of say, "I know it's like, yeah, I get it. It sucks. It won't always be this bad. Mm-hmm. Pick yourself up off the ground, dust yourself off. Maybe some really legitimate mistakes were mm-hmm. made. That happens. Mm-hmm. Happens to everyone. Happens to Warren Buffett. Happens yeah. to the best investors in the world. This will get better. You you can you can lie in a, a pity of self despair and get, woe is me and everything mm-hmm. sucks and it's rigged, mm-hmm. or you can dust yourself off and you can and you can move forward. And mm-hmm. as I've long said in this game, the the, the 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 one of the one of the core skills you can have is one of endurance, the yeah. ability to sort yeah. of suffer those periods and to and to continue on. Uh, almost by definition, if you can't do that, you're, you're never going to do well because you're just never going to be there. Mate, we have talked and talked as we usually do for the best part of an hour. I have one final question for you. This is this is partly without notice, partly with notice. You were going to talk about earnings season, but because we're running out of time, I'm going to ask you for your best piece of advice for our listeners as they go into earnings season. But I want it to be something that maybe is not often talked about. Is there, is, there a, is there an unusual piece of advice or a different perspective? So but, you know, we'll, we'll read and hear a lot about earnings oh, season yeah. over the next month or so. And so earnings season is, is largely August uh, for reasons very quickly. If a company has its half year or full year um, that ends on June 30, the ASX rules are you must release your earnings within two full months of that. So they're due by August 30. July normally tends to get sucked up because it just takes a long time to do these things. Uh, so there's nothing official about August other than companies tend to start releasing their earnings towards the end of July and they're all due by the end of August if they have a June 30 balance date. You don't have to, by the way. Um, some companies have different balance dates. Um, Salt Hats is one of those that I own. Um, it goes out 
I can't remember. They, they release earnings weird times. So I think September they release there, something like that. But if they if they release them, oh, sorry, if they have a June 30 balance date for the half or full year, then the numbers are due by the end of August. So that, that's why we call it earnings season. It's a bit of jargon. I don't love it, but it is kind of what it is. So Andrew, with that preamble giving you some time to think, a piece of useful, thoughtful, important, but often unheard advice. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go with particularly that last point of because mm. there's, there's a lot of things to say there, but perhaps one thing that isn't said enough is I think it's really important for management to we, – we were just talking about the importance of, of um, not having too much hubris. Mm. So there'll be companies that, that have some disappointing results, at least mm. according mm. to the market's measure, mm. and there'll be some that actually – impress the market and do better than they think. In both cases, mm. I find it a really strong signal when management are very level in their approach. I'll give you an example <laughs> yeah. recently. There's yeah. a Kiwi company. It's ASX. It's listed on the NZX and the ASX. Uh, and in in New Zealand, they have different um, financial year. So E-Road is the company mm. and they had their annual general meeting last week. And in the like one of the first opening paragraphs of the chairman's address, he said, over the past year, E-Road shares have fallen by 60% against a benchmark of technology mm-hmm. stocks, which fell a 30%. It's clear that the company has not met shareholder expectations. We have a sharp focus on improving the company's performance. Then he went on to outline and reiterate the company's strategy. Now, why Why I thought that was, uh, you know, again, I don't want to over-egg the, the pudding here, but mm-hmm. but it so often when things go bad, it's, oh, we, we, no one could have known and it was this <laughs> and it was that. Yeah. You know, it's just like wear it. Acknowledge, I think it's really important to acknowledge it and um, there might be certain factors that, that are there, mm. but, but, but to acknowledge it for shareholders and, and to say what you're going to do about it. Um, you can't take all the glory when things go your way mm. and then blame everyone else when things don't go your way. So I think I think the the way that management um, approach approach those results and how they speak of them is really 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 important. Mm. I've seen it a lot lately with some of the the four C's, the quarterly results that the smaller companies have already released, mm. um, where things didn't go that well for them, and it was everyone's fault except theirs. And, and look, sometimes <laughs> legitimately it isn't. You just you're yeah. operating in a, in yeah. a broad macro environment that you're not responsible for what happens in Europe and mm. the rest of it. Mm. But but when when you blame when you blame everyone but yourself, <laughs> it just really sticks in my yeah. craw. So yeah. I, th- I think I think it's I think we we all focus a lot on the numbers. Mm. Pay attention to what how management speak of those numbers, and and also, I think it's very telling to you get particularly from the professional management class, as opposed to the more founder owner mindset kind of class, is that when a lot of the wording and talk is around the last quarter, the last half, the last year. I like a business that sort of says, this is where we've come from, this is where we're going, and they lay out the big vision of it. Um, E-Road was exactly doing that. They grew their revenue 25% in FY22. They say they're going to grow up by another, oh, geez, what was it going to be? It was going to grow by another 29% in the current year, and they're looking at more than doubling it by FY25. Now, whether or not they do that, Mm. they've sort of clearly laid out their target, and they've said how they're going to do it. And I just feel as though that, that long-term vision beyond the near the short term is 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 really nice. Um, there's another company, uh, Altium, I think, does a good job of that as well. Right, they've right, always right. sort of got this five-year target that it's like the Chinese Communist Party. You know, they've got this five-year plan. <laughs> oh, I love, don't, I love. Don't like that on them. That's yeah. a bad. That's yeah. a bad comparison. It but is. but I think too often, <laughs> yeah, too mean. often we are sort of quarter to quarter, year by year. Yeah. And and right. by the way, you've got to be careful. Some companies like they, they it's, a, it's all that they talk about. You know, it's like don't worry about all this. Mm. In five years, it's going to be great. So you have, <laughs> there's context, there's yeah. nuance, there's yeah. all of that kind of stuff. But I, I love I love those businesses that that are more, that are that are big picture. And and are very straight with their shareholders. Candor and honesty matter a lot, mate. I love it. Um, I'm going to repeat think? a point I've probably made before, but one doesn't get made. I very rarely see made anywhere else. Which is, we talk about earnings season, but it really should be called expectations season. And I've said this before. Um, if a company's profit falls by thirty percent, the shares can still go up by twenty percent. And you say, well, how is that possible? A company's profit that doubles and the share price could fall thirty percent. Well, how is that possible? The answer is because the market has already factored in what it expects from the business and will respond accordingly. So if you think a business is going to double and it only goes up by 70%, that's a 
air quotes, disappointing result. Now, whether it, just, whether it deserves to be or not, it's an open question. What we should do with that is an open question. But just don't fall into the trap of believing that growth must be good, decline must be bad when it comes to the share price. It's kind of what Andrew was talking about earlier in terms of thinking about how, you know, how, how a company's shares are priced for that long term, not just for now. That can be a great opportunity, by the way. Um, if you get a company that disappoints, almost to Andrew's point about the five-year plan, if it disappoints in the short term, but their long-term story is still intact, then hey, who cares, right? That, that's an opportunity to buy. Um, it, going into earnings season though, by the way, if you own, air quotes, hot stock that slightly disappoints the market, be prepared for that. I'm not saying do anything about it. Don't necessarily sell because it might not disappoint. It might be great. Um, just know that volatility isn't necessarily a function of the result, but rather the result compared to the expectations of investors who either own the shares or who, who will buy them or not buy them based on what those numbers might look like. Um, I said, more often than not, an opportunity rather than a risk or a threat for investor. Uh, for investors, it can be just simply a chance to go and buy some shares on the cheap when the market hates on something for no good reason. Uh, but Again, as we said before, you can hate on that company for a while after that. Uh, and so be prepared for a longish journey if you want to do that. I think you should do it if it's worth it. But um, the market won't necessarily change its mind suddenly because all of a sudden now it's a disappointing company. General Electric in the US used to beat earnings estimates by a cent every single half. And Wall Street mm. loved the hell out of this thing because, hey, it's so reliable and we can put our numbers in our spreadsheet and we all know what to expect. And then, of course, the whole thing came down like a house of cards. You say, yeah, sometimes, and back to Andrew's point about co- and candor and honesty, um, sometimes that is actually its own undoing, right? Because you spend so long trying to desperately deliver in the short term that you wreck the long-term potential. So expectation season, not just earnings season, is my, uh, my key tip. Nice. Will you come back on Sunday? You know I will. I'm you know glad I will. you will. If you want to send us an email, do that info, I-N-F-O, at fool.com.au. Hit us up on the socials. Andrew is exclusively on Twitter still, I believe. Is that still right, Andrew? Thinking of opening a TikTok account. Look out. We'll see. The dancing... <laughs> the dancing... I guess can I say dancing monkey? Your Twitter handle is Sage Simeon. Would you use the same handle for TikTok or would you go somewhere different with that, do you reckon? I've got to stick with it. I've got to stick with it, yeah. <laughs> so in the meantime, until Andrew does open his TikTok account, uh, you can get him on Twitter at Sage underscore Simeon or at Strawman Invest. Uh, you can grab me on Twitter or Insta at TMF Scott P or Facebook at uh, Scott Phillips Money, The Motley Fool AU on TikTok, on TikTok, on Twitter and Insta or <laughs> The Motley Fool Australia on Facebook. Until Sunday, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.